0: 2 Corinthians 3.18, in the King James Version, says, But we all, say, that means all of us. All of of us. us. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass or mirror, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Father, we want to thank you for this day and for this time together with your children. We, we thank you for the wonderful praise and worship. We thank you for all of the, the faith in this room and those who have come to seek you in truth and to grow in their relationship with you. I ask that they all be met at their point of need whether it's physical, emotional, financial, or relational. And Lord, that no one leave here the same, but they know you a little better and know who they are in you because of this word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, every once in a while, God will give the world a little nugget science uh, always trying to prove everything right or disprove it and more and more you see in the world that they're they're really correlating the association between the physical and the mental you know what i'm talking about it's being recognized of course our our bible says as a man thinketh in his heart so is he but the world is just starting to get a glimpse of this. And usually psychology and other things like that, they'll just try to tell you, have a good attitude, and it'll go a long ways. And, and they're right, they're, they're, they're catching on to something, but they just don't know where it is. And unfortunately, they stop short of knowing that the source of that health and wholeness and, and all the things that they're relating to uh, a positive mental attitude really coming from God. See, because we, we go a little step further than the physical and the, and the mental. The physical and the mental, don't we? we? Because that's the body and the soul. So we, we, we have the spiritual, don't we? We're spirit, soul, and body. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says we are spirit, soul, and body. Three part beings, the one part of us, our spirit has been redeemed. The spirit of Satan of iniquity that came in in the Garden of Eden and has been born with all of us ever since then. When we're redeemed, when we're saved, that spirit is evicted. The spirit of God is ushered in. And then our spirit is renewed and sealed with that promised Holy Spirit. Perfect and incorruptible for all time. And we draw on that. We draw on that with our soulish realm, our our mind, our will, our emotions, our personality, when we agree with what we find in our spirit, then our soul begins to conform to the word of God. The truth about who we really are. And it's always positive. It, God is love. He said in Isaiah 26, 3, I'll keep, them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Today, I want to talk about the importance of the Word of God in the life of a believer. My life's work is to grow in in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and to help others to do the same to undo this epidemic I was speaking of a moment ago of identity crisis in the body of Christ and to help us to know and to partake of the divine nature Christ has died to provide us with. He said, "I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly." Yes, amen. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 12 through 17. Paul said, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. That's part of it. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse. Christians are going to continue to be persecuted, although the blessing of God is upon them. You're going to be persecuted for it, and the world's just going to keep going from bad to worse. It's not going to get better. Jesus didn't come to bring peace to this world. That's a misunderstanding. He said, matter of fact, I came to bring a sword. <laughs> Division. Why? The peace that he brought are for those who accept him. The free gift of salvation. But not everyone's going to receive him. And he said this is going to bring division. A, a father against a, a son. A mother against a daughter. So forth and so on. The world's just going to keep getting worse. But as long as it's light. long as it's called today. And we're here. And we have this truth in us. We need to help shine a little light into this dark world. Because there are those out there. Still walking in darkness. Who really want this light. Amen. Thank God He didn't take any of us before we came to know Him. We don't want that for anyone. The best thing that can happen to your worst enemy is for Jesus Christ to get a hold of their hearts and change them. But, as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned and how from childhood, not all of us, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Here's the scripture I was trying to get to. 2 Timothy 3.16. You need to circle this, underline it, tape it to your forehead, whatever you need to do. Because until you understand and agree with this scripture, you're going to make excuses for your life and allow others to do the same. All Scripture is breathed out by God. God breathed. Inspired by God. All Scripture. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. All Scripture is God breathed. This is not a book written by men about God. It's a book written by God to you. Through men. brief message today. <laughs> yeah, okay. Amen. And, uh, But I, I just want to share a couple of stories with you from the Word to show how critical the Word of God is to the life of a believer and make a couple of points. So if you will, quickly without further ado, turn to Luke chapter 16. I'm going to read Luke 16, starting at the 19th verse. I'm in the English Standard Version today. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. Gross. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, so that he may warn them So many points we could make from that passage of Scripture. I could go on for a week or so. But I want to try to stay and focus on what we're talking about today. The necessity of and importance of the Word of God in the life of a believer. Of you. Believers and unbelievers. There's always going to be But we want to be on the side of those who believe. You need to come to terms with the word of God and decide if God said it, that settles it. I'm not going to box with God. I know a lot of people who have uh, done amazing things in the kingdom of God. I know one in particular who, in their ministry, he... They have seen lots and lots of uh, miracles. People raised from the dead, blind eyes open, deaf ears open, all sorts of wonderful things. And somebody asked him one time, said, "Why don't you, why don't you call the news media? Why don't you get the word out? They need to see this and put it on the air so the whole world can see and believe." And he said, "No, they don't. They won't believe anyway." They'll just find a natural reason not to believe. They'll cast aspersions and they'll say this and they'll say that and they'll try to find any natural reason to explain away what we're telling them or they just won't believe, period. And you know, he's right. He's right. Unfortunately, Jesus was telling us in this passage of Scripture this parable that he wrote that he said they have he wanted them to to go back and tell his family right this man was suffering in hell he was down in Hades and now you know only thing down there now in the earth is hell (laughs) paradise is gone from there it's When Jesus ascended, he took all of those who had gone before, believing and waiting on him, who were separated from hell down there by this great chasm and waiting for him in paradise. He took them with him to heaven. But that's not important today. But I just wanted to share that in case you're wondering how that all works out. But nevertheless, what I'm trying to show you today is that this man was suffering In hell, and he said, Send somebody back, let Lazarus go back to tell my family who's still living about this terrible place so they won't come here. They'll repent if he tells them. And what Abraham told him, he said, No, they won't. It won't work. He said, They have Moses and the prophets. Now, what did he mean by that? Moses and all the prophets he talked about had been dead for hundreds of years. So what did he mean when he says they have Moses and the prophets? They had the word of God. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. And then the prophets follow. And the old covenant, which is all they had at the time. The gospels were being lived out, weren't they? But they, they still, they had this much to know the nature of God. To know the will of God. He said if they don't believe it, they're not going to believe anything else anyway. Look at Second Corinthians. We're just going to flip through for a minute. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Y'all with me today? Yes, sir. It's like dead air out there. I hope you're just soaking it all in. Making notes. Contemplating these things. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Remember how last week we were talking about the fact that we have this great treasure the light of God, the life of God. And these jars of clay, these earthen vessels, these bodies that we live in. Remember that? Yes, That's the same chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But look here. Let me see here. Second Corinthians chapter 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. The God of this world, little g, that's Satan, has blinded the minds and hearts of unbelievers so that they can't See the truth and believe, you see. The tenets of love and belief and obedience are woven throughout the scriptures. Jesus said in John three seventeen, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, People say, ah, Jesus didn't come to judge anybody. No. (laughs) Jesus is the light, the opportunity for us to come to. He didn't come to judge because there's no need. Everyone who doesn't believe in him has already been judged. We're already condemned people until we come to know Christ and believe in him and make him our Lord and Savior, you see? I was here on, oh, I was here Thursday, but, no, I was here Thursday, but I was here Wednesday also, just briefly, to come and peek in on uh, the rehearsal of the praise and worship team. Something very powerful happened that day, which is not unusual for these guys. John sang a song, they, 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 they began to play and sing this song, and uh, the Spirit of the Lord just, <clears throat> the anointing became so tangible that uh, that uh, we all had uh, uh, a lot to say, and, and <laughs> it kind of overwhelmed us a little bit, didn't it? I love that, I love that, but it was, uh, it was that song that he sang up here a while ago. I noticed it didn't have the same effect today, but, uh, well, I wasn't looking behind me. So in fairness, hopefully it did touch your hearts. But uh, I'm going to share a little bit more about that song so that you understand what we're talking about today as it pertains to that particular story in the Bible about the road to Emmaus. That song... talking about these two disciples of Jesus. One was Clopas, I think, Cleopas. The other one, we just don't know his name. But wasn't they weren't part of the original twelve, or what would have been eleven at this time. This is the after Jesus was crucified and uh, resurrected. The day of, actually, the resurrection, they still didn't know about it. They were walking to Emmaus about seven miles, I think, from Jerusalem. And Jesus came and began to walk with these two disciples who were very dejected over everything that had happened. i want to read this story to you, and then we'll talk a little bit more. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, starting at the 13th verse. That very day, and remember this was the resurrection day, two of them, these are disciples, were were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, here we go again, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them and their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Thank you, Lord. Can you imagine that Bible study? A seven mile walk with Jesus Himself, taking you through the entire Old Covenant, the Old Testament, showing you how it all pointed to Him. Every word, every sacrifice. Everything in types and shadows all pointing to him, the risen king. Why, oh why, oh why, did he have to walk for seven miles with them incognito? Wouldn't it have been more efficient and effective if he just said, hey, looky here, it's me. why why did he do it the way he did it because well for you really and for them he knew he wasn't going to be with them forever physically but this would be and the same goes for you this word Will be the only thing remaining. When everything we know and see is burned up. This word will remain. You can take this to the bank. You can count on this. And if you will begin to live your life. Based on trust in Jesus Christ. Who is the word made flesh. Coupled with the anointing. The fire of the Holy Spirit of God. You'll be stronger than horseradish. (laughs) No weapon formed against you will prosper. All the things pertaining to you for life and godliness that God says you do have, you will have. Do you believe that today? Yes. So the word teaches us how to live the Christian life, doesn't it? Jesus lived it out in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The book of Acts gives us an example, a pattern for the church. And the rest of the epistles The apostles labor to show us how to. How to live it out. To walk in the light. To know God's character and what pleases him. Ephesians 5:10. Find out what pleases God. And what displeases him. It also helps us to differentiate between those who belong to him. And those who do not, doesn't it? You can tell a tree by its fruit. Those who do not, still being blinded by the cares of this life and the God of this world. But the number one reason, why, what was the song? Why do we... Look to the Lord. Why do we look to the Lord, to the Word of God? Why do we look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith? The point of our salvation is that we are being transformed into the image of Christ. Glory to glory. People don't understand, even though, like I said, the world is beginning to associate the mental with the physical. They know it has a lot to do with our physical well-being. They say, I heard yesterday, I think it was uh, Tony Robbins, who's a great Christian man and an inspirational speaker, a business guy. But... Uh, I heard him saying that the number one cause I think it was in Pennsylvania or somewhere they did a huge study. You know how they're always studying something. The number one cause of people dying from their first heart attack (laughs) like you expected to have more than once is, is, uh, is the fact that they're unhappy in their work. Wow. Not cholesterols through the roof or diabetes or any of these things. They're unhappy in their work. People you have a purpose. And if you have never sought God to find out what you're supposed to be doing and where you're supposed to be, what right. you should be doing about everything. Right. Where are you going to church? There are many pastors who try to build kingdoms under themselves. I've heard of terrible stories, and I've even been a part of some that, that directed at me. When people try to leave a church, they will just, they'll just come against them, the whole congregation, the pastor, tell them, oh, you're wrong, you're going to hell. <laughs> and then they'll go and they'll try to get everybody they can to be in that church. Yeah. And when people come to me, whether coming or going, I love them either way. I always, 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 any of you who have come to me about these things, and many have, I always say the same thing. What's God telling you to do? I want you to do what God's telling you to do. You're supposed to be where God wants you to be because that's where the provision for your life is for this season of your life. I'll help you to pray. I'll help you to hear God. I don't want anything from me. I want God for you. So. Glory to glory. We're meditating. Focusing. Magnifying. Contemplating. The word of God. And we're being transformed. Into his image. The world tells you. Hey we're starting to figure this out. Mental. Mental. Physical, it's, it lines up. Okay, well, Philippians 4 eight already told me in my Bible, Brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Amen. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Why? Because... There is life in God's truth. Romans 8, 29. He says, for those whom he, God, foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus was just the first. You say, oh wait, man, this is, this is pretty deep. You, I'm supposed to be like Jesus? You are like Jesus. If you're saved in that spiritual part of you that I told you about that you can't sense with your five senses, you are identical to Christ. you say yeah but I'm talking about this right here this right here that I struggle with and this right here this is really who I am no it's not it's what you're struggling and suffering with but if you would get into agreement with what's in that spiritual realm all that stuff is going to melt away but you have to think more on the spiritual side of things than you do this natural side in order to receive of the spiritual Into the natural. (laughs) Okay. How do I know this? 1 Corinthians 3.17 and 18 says. Now the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. Are you with me? John 4.24 says. God is a spirit. And those who worship him. Must worship him in spirit. And in truth. Jesus said in John 6, 63, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak to you, He said, They are spirit, And they are life. Mm -hmm. Amen. John 17, 17 said, Jesus was praying on that faithful night to the Lord, And He said, Father, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. So you are sanctified or set apart and made holy by this word. Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all say, 'That's that's us, with unveiled face what's that mean that means in the old covenant everything was in types and shadows now jesus christ the only secret god had has been revealed to his children now instead of one priest going into the holy of holies in the presence of god once a year with a rope tied around his leg so if they had to drag him out dead because of some sin in his life, you and you and you and you and you can run boldly right into his presence now without fear of judgment or punishment because of what Jesus has done for you. Hallelujah. You can run right to the throne and expect mercy and favor and grace for the time of need. Abba, Father, I need you. <laughs> Come on, I know, I know, I know. beholding we all with unveiled face now beholding the glory of the Lord so as we behold as we look upon in this righteous mirror of the Word of God as we look upon Jesus in the scriptures and meditate and contemplate upon him we Glory to glory are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. They had a glimpse of this in, in Psalms 84-7. It says, talking about those who would come in the future in this new covenant in relationship with Jesus Christ. says, they go from strength to strength, from glory to glory, till each appears before God in Zion. You know the great love chapter? one hanging on the wall when you walk in my house. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You ever read the ending of that? We all, we all love the part about how love is patient and kind and does not envy or boast. Well, as we're going through this life based on love and faith, faith expressing itself through love, isn't that what God says, the only thing that matters? So listen. First Corinthians church, chapter 13, verse 8. Love never ends or never fails. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know, talking about now, we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, this is the return of Jesus, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And now we see in a mirror dimly. This is the mirror. We see in a mirror dimly. But then we will see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the, the greatest of these is love. Pursue love and eagerly desire spiritual good. One more, one more scripture. Come on, Chris. First Corinthians. First Corinthians no first John. First John, all the way to the letters in the back. 1 John 3 2. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. Because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in him, purifies himself as he is pure. We were, we've been reading about the land of promises that Jesus Christ has brought us into with a picture of the old covenant and types and shadows being Joshua bringing the children of Israel into the promised land. And remember what God told him, Keep this word of the law ever before you. Meditate on it day and night. Don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. But keep this word ever before you. And I will make your way prosperous. You have a better covenant with better promises than Joshua did. Make some of your own. Hold God to the standard of His Word regarding you. That is not pride or arrogance. That is faith and trust. And the only one who is faithful and can be trusted. Apply this word to your life and see what he does. I challenge you today. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for this word and for your love. We know that your word is true, Father. And we ask that you Help to download it into our hearts and minds and let it bear fruit, take root and bear fruit in our lives. That we protect and water and nurture this word and not allow the enemy to steal it from us. And that we just decide to trust in you and to believe in you knowing that all scripture is given by inspiration from you. So if you said it, that settles it for us. We trust you and we want nothing more than what you want for us. Help us to know your desires for our life. Put your desires in our heart that we might be agreed with you and walk in step with you to fulfill all the things you've written in your book for us to do. Thank you for making us all vessels of honor for your great house and for loving us so perfectly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.